Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you are here, I hope you've got a bulletin. We've got them in the back, and we can go ahead and distribute some if we get some men to help us out with that. Does anybody need a bullet? Yes, go, go, go. That's right. We got some out there and some back here. And who would like to have a bulletin? Raise your hand and keep it raised until our swift and, and uh, excellent help gets it. Well, yes, but I mean, after all, we've got a bulletin today. It says Father's Day on it. And we are glad for all the dads. We're going to talk about the dads, but look at those great pictures. And what I love is the interaction, you know. On Father's Day, we don't have to have a picture of Dad's office, do we? We don't need that. Now, I know dads, we all say, well, we show our love because we provide for our kids. We don't have to have a picture of Dad's bank account. And we say, well, it's Dad's responsibility to provide. Yes, it is. But what we've got on the cover of this bulletin are pictures of dads interacting with their kids. Come on now. That's what we need. Now, how many of you have uh, Bibles at home? Raise your hands. How many of you have Bible books at home? Books that have Bible subjects. Yes. Those, those, are, all, those are all very good. And if you study theology from now until Jesus takes you home, you'll know a lot. But you're not going to be a better dad just because of it. You're going to be a better dad because you apply what you learn in a close, up close and personal relationship with your kids. I've often said the most spiritual time that some dads have with their kids when they're wrestling around on the floor, you know, in the living room or whatever it is, and just having a good time with their kids. When dad takes the kids hunting, fishing, or out to the park or wherever it is, Mom and Dad, you've got a wonderful, wonderful legacy. And the way, the way to project that legacy and to carry it on is to have a godly relationship with your kids. They know that they know that they know that they've got parents that love them. Not only that provide for them, but are with them, answer their questions, and are there through their trials and their difficulties. That's it. That's it. Now, I may not say anything else of value today, but you mark that down. That's... That's something you can take to the bank. All right, inside, uh, inside, lots of good information. And I hope today, if you are viewing by YouTube or Facebook, that you'll tap on and uh, get the, uh, the uh, electric version of this, the digital version of this, and have the bulletin on this very special Father's Day. We talked about Mother's Day on Mother's Day. We're going to talk about Father's Day today. It's a very important day. Uh, someone has written 10 duties for dads. You shall so live as to transmit to your children physical bodies strong and clean. Two, you shall be the head of your home and model it after God's law in love and justice. Three, you shall preserve the love between yourself and the mother of your children and promote love among your children. Four, you shall not teach by precept alone, but by personal example. Amen. Number five, you shall so intently live to please and serve God that it will inspire the same zeal in your children. Six, you shall seek to develop your, ch your child's potential to its greatest degree for the glory of God and for the eternal blessing of his fellow men. Seven, you shall provide and participate in recreational diversions and lead your family in having fun and wholesome frolic. Number eight, you shall be the instigator and leader in daily family altar. You shall conduct 
uh, this time in such a manner that your children may develop a relish for God's word and a faith in the exercise of prayer. Amen. Number nine, you shall set the example for going with your wife and children to all the services of the church, including Sunday school. Number 10, you shall make your primary objective the introduction of each child to Jesus. Now that's copied, but I believe I agree with all of those things and say amen heartily. Say amen to those things. How important is it for us to have godly, godly dads? It's all important that we have godly dads. And so I'm going to ask some questions right now. I know the ones out there viewing will not be able to answer out loud, but you can, you can type in, you can make comments and so forth. And so uh, how many fathers, how many dads do we have here? Raise your hand. God bless you. You can put your hand down for just a moment. How many grandfathers do we have here? Raise your hand. God bless you. Fantastic. Put your hands down. How many great-grandfathers do we have here? Raise your hands. All right. We've got several. Praise the Lord for you. Anybody got great-great-grandkids? Anybody got great-great-grandkids? All right. Well, we thank God for you. We're going to find out some things right now. Let's talk about kids. Now, kids, your kids are any kids that you were primary responsible for raising. So they don't have to be your own biological children, but if they are children that you are primarily responsible for in raising them, then you're the dad. So we're going to ask now, how many dads, how many dads, we already found out we've got some here, how many dads have or had five or more children? Raise your hands. Okay, got a hand, a hand. Come on, five or more. Got two, three, four. Okay, all right. Now, how many? How many? How many? Six. How many? Five. So we got six, five, five, right? And eight. Congratulations, all you dads, each and every one of you. It is tremendous when you pass along the truth to one other human being. But when you've got five, six, eight to pass it along to, that is just outstanding. That's amazing. Let's give these dads a hand. God bless you. God bless you. We've got some extra fish for you if you know. Uh, <laughs> That's the fisherman back there. All right. Amen. All right. Let's talk about granddads. All right. If you are the grand, we already know who the grandfathers are here, but if you are a grandfather of five or more, raise your hand. Five or more, raise your hands. Five or more, raise your hands. All right, we're going to keep your hands up just a second. How many total? Five. Five. All right, very good. How many? How many? Nine. Nine. All right, how many? Twelve. Twelve. Eight. Eight. Anybody else? All right, praise the Lord. That takes a lot of God's grace. The good thing about being a grandparent is you get to spoil them a little bit, don't you? Uh, Amen, you do. That's right. That's right. And, and then... Mom and dad, your kids and, and your, uh, your daughter or son-in-law say to you, why'd you do that? Why'd you spoil those kids? And you said, because I get to send them home with you. That's why. But uh, isn't that a blessing? All right. Some of you raised your own grandkids too, or were raised perhaps in that situation. And so you understand how important that is. Let's give our granddads a hand. Great job, guys. Amen. Fantastic. And I know in, in, in the congregation there are great grandfathers as well, and we thank God for you. How important is it? It's all important. There are little eyes upon you. They are watching night and day, and there are little ears that listen to every word you say. 
their little hands all eager to do the things you do, and a little boy who is dreaming of the day he'll be like you. You are the little fellow's hero. You are the wisest of the wise. In his little mind about you, no suspicions ever arise. There is a wide-eyed little fellow who believes you are always right, and his ears are always open as he watches day and night. You are setting an example every day in all you do for the little boy who is waiting to grow up to be like you. At the close of his will, Patrick Henry said, There's one thing more that I would like to leave to my, Christ, to my family, Christian faith. With that, they would be rich, did I not leave them one shilling. Without that, they would be poor had I given them the whole world. Amen. Don't we want to give our kids and our grandkids these important things? We do. And so today, I'm going to ask all of the men, every man in the building, to please stand. Every man, please stand. Every man, if you can stand, please stand. I want to challenge you men, whether you are a dad or not, a grandpa or not, to be the man that God wants you to be. He'll place His hand upon you. And He'll guide you by His Spirit through His Word. You need to be men of conviction. Men who stand for something or you'll fall for everything. You need to believe first and foremost upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And then you need to never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it wherever you can, however you can. Whether you are eloquent or not, by your life and by your words, you need to be uh, one who shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. How important is it to be a man of God? If there are no men of God, then there's going to be a very important missing piece in the family. We've seen this already. We've seen the results of homes where there is no dad. Uh, there's going to be a very important missing piece in the church. We've seen churches where there were no men. Uh, and even though the women are serving God the best they can, how important that is that men be present in the church. How important is it in society? We have seen how that the world, the flesh, and the devil have conspired against manly leadership. But we want to promote godly men in society. God needs godly men in this country, in our society, in our churches, in our homes. And you are the ones. It's not up to somebody else. It's not up to the other guy. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's up to us. We're the ones. It's, it's not going to happen if it doesn't happen through us by the grace of God and for His glory. Let me pray for you now. Father, I pray that you'll give these men a heart for you, a heart to be right, to do right, to be pure, to be strong, to make a, a visual before kids and grandkids that cannot be misunderstood, that can only be interpreted as God being in the life and leading. Lord, I pray those convictions will extend to every aspect of life and of society and of our church and of our community and help our men to go on for you until they pass the baton to those that are coming behind. And may we do that faithfully. We pray it now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, men. You may be seated. Let's give all the men a round of applause. And all of you out there, God bless you. Let's make a difference. Amen. Let me just say a big thank you to all of you who have been so faithful in your giving during this time of transition. We have our offering envelopes, and after 
uh, we uh, go offline, we will receive an offering, but not before. But thank you for bringing your offerings or dropping them by or mailing them in. We have two special love offering uh, projects going on right now. Using the envelopes with the red writing that say love offering, I would ask you to remember the Kearneys. Uh, we are buying for them two good laptops for Ghana, West Africa, for the ministry there. And I trust that you'll give very generously today toward the laptops, that project. And also the project of providing a minivan for Pastor Kurt Neese in Richmond, Indiana. It's already been delivered. Now we need to pay for it. We're about $3,700 short on that. And maybe you've got some of God's money to help out with that. Thank you for your faithfulness. I've got to say once again, glory to God, we haven't had a shortfall. Now don't stop giving. Continue to be faithful. God continues to bless in that area and in so many areas. And I want to thank you for your personal encouragements, the texts, the emails, the letters that have been sent, people that have stopped by, people that have called. Thank you so much. And yes, I did have a wonderful birthday yesterday. Thank you. Uh, many kind things, undeserved, were said. And thank you. I appreciate you and love you so much. Today is Father's Day. Many others have expressed their kind wishes for us on Father's Day. I appreciate that. Next Sunday is Honors Sunday. Mark it down. Honors Sunday. Next Sunday morning, uh, we, we want to call the names of all the boys and girls and teenagers and adults who have been promoted or graduated from one major level to the next. And we're going to honor you. And then next Sunday night, we'll have Bible Institute graduation. And if you have uh, been in attendance or have viewed online uh, sessions 1401 to 1406, or we'll do that this summer, please get that information in to Tina Little. So we need the names of those who are graduates and promotees and those who are going to be part of the graduation next Sunday night as well uh, from Bible Institute. Get your names in to Tina Little, and we will appreciate that so very much. On the um, Welcome Visitor Center counter as you leave, pick up your copy of Racial Reconciliation written by missionary pastor Mike Davidson. Part 1 is there for you, free for the taking. Uh, four pages. It'll make you think. Uh, you say, well, how is he writing? He is writing from the perspective of the Word of God, but one who, when he marched with Martin Luther King in the 1960s, was not himself yet saved. And so he has seen it from both perspectives, from uh, the perspective of an unsaved young man, and now as a saved man of God from the Word of God. This is an excellent, excellent a piece on racial reconciliation. And I know this church stands for the truth of the Word of God on that and all subjects. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles, and we are going to turn to our Scripture today. It is on your bulletin in Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse number 11. There it says, Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you so much that you've given us your word. Help us now. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. And as we bring this message today, I pray that there will be no question whatsoever about the meaning of what the word of God has to say about the wonderful privilege of being a dad. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a psalm of David. 
And David was a father, as you know. David had kids and was not always perfect in his life or in his leadership, but he certainly knew what was expected. He knew what was biblical, and he knew what was right. If you have come to God as an adult, and your kids have seen you both as a lost person and as a saved person, there should be such a change that they can testify in even their simple terms of the fact that I've got a brand new daddy. I've got a brand new mommy. The song that was sung so well by the Gaithers and sung so well by Doug Oldham, uh, thanks to Calvary, I don't live here anymore, is an expression of that same sentiment. Today I went back to the place where I used to go. Today I saw the same old crowd I knew before. When they asked me what had happened, I tried to tell them, thanks to Calvary, I don't come here anymore. And then we went back to the house where we used to live. My little boy ran and hid behind the door. I said, son, never fear. You've got a new daddy. Thanks to Calvary, we don't live here anymore. I believe that God saves us, not only for heaven, but He saves us so that we might have a little heaven on earth for our kids, for our spouse, for the people who know us and love us, and the people who are looking to us for some kind of an example. And today, the start, the beginning of it, is to come to God through Christ. That's the way to start making a change. I have an article here in a Christian publication. Terry Coomer, a pastor in Jacksonville, Arkansas, answers the question, how do I become a godly man? And he says, number one, you must know the Lord as Savior. I say amen to that. Number two, the commitment to the Word of God and to be teachable will be your most important commitments after your salvation. Let me say it again. The commitment to the Word of God and to be teachable will be your most important commitments after your salvation. Now I'm speaking at this point to those who have not been saved yet or those who have recently been saved. You need to know that God has a plan for you. It's not do-it-yourself designer living. That doesn't work in this world. Instead, it's yieldedness. It's submissiveness. And that is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of meekness on your part. Can I hear an amen? The difference between weakness and meekness is meekness is strength under control. And so you can be a strong man. You can be a strong woman. But you don't have to be strong-willed against the will of God. You don't have to be stubborn. You don't have to turn against the good things that God wants to do in and through your life. If you want to be a godly man or godly woman, you got to get saved first. And then you need to commit yourself to the Word of God and say, whatever the Bible says is true, I'm going to try to obey the Word of God. It's not just how you feel about the Word of God or what some preacher says about the Word of God. What does the Word of God itself say? What is the Holy Spirit of God who is the third person of, of the Trinity and is the author of the Scripture? What is He saying as He teaches us and guides us into all truth? We need to be submitted to the Word of God. And then number three, long, long message. Number three, He says, Here we go. Number three, be a humble man. Pride will destroy you and your home. And that goes for all of us. The prerequisite to revival in this land 
is God's people have got to lose their pride. We need to lose our will and the will of God. We need to get over uh, our ego and stop believing our own resumes. All right, We need to get to the point where we understand that I'm nothing. I'm just a lump of clay, just a bit of dirt into which God has breathed the breath of life. And I'm a living soul. I'm here for the glory of God and for no other purpose. That's my chief end, to glorify God. And along the way, he gives me a bonus. He says, you not only glorify me, but when you glorify me, you get to enjoy me for eternity. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a small price to pay, to lose our pride so that we might enjoy the blessings of God. Number four, be a man who shows true biblical love. True biblical love. Many men have to be taught. Some women, too, have to be taught. Biblical love. Love isn't what we get. Love isn't what we feel. Love is what we give. Love is what we commit to. Love is what we sacrifice for. That's love. God teaches us through the example of Calvary. He shows us that He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And when we love, we give. That means, listen to me, man. Listen to me, ladies. When we are just so, I mean, we are just so ticked off, we got to say something And then the Holy Spirit reminds us that doesn't need to be said. And you put that guard at your mouth and you don't say it. Because you know as well as I do, it's wrong to say it and it's going to be a long time fixing after you do. It might not get fixed. It might stay, that hurt might stay deep and stay long. And you say, well, they ought to forgive and they ought to forget. Yeah, they ought to forgive and they ought to forget, but you're too... Too stupid to realize you shouldn't have said it to begin with. And I'm speaking of myself. If we can't figure that out after a couple of times, how dumb are we? Be a man who shows real biblical love, shows concern, shows care. Number five, be committed to your wife and children. Be committed. Keep a promise. Don't break a promise. Keep a promise. Keep your vows. This is it. Number six. And this is for all the men. Don't let bitterness get a root in your life. Don't let bitterness get a root in your life. Bitterness can turn everything sour. Bitterness can cause everything that ought to be good and ought to be joyful and ought to be happy. It it becomes all of a sudden sad and a trial and a difficulty and a burden. Psalm 3411 is an invitation. It's come ye children. Don't drive them away. Draw them. Come ye children, hearken unto me. Get their attention. Get their attention. There needs to be some time when the electronic stuff gets turned off. Amen. I will teach you by demonstration, by by precept, yes, but by practice, the fear of the Lord. Now, I have said in the bulletin, the greatest gift a man can leave his family is a legacy of Bible faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. That's it. That's the greatest legacy we can possibly leave. And here in this psalm, David is saying by inspiration, the fear of the Lord. It's a noun there. It's not the verb form, but the noun form. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is that which needs to be taught. It is good, but it needs to be clarified. Over in Proverbs chapter 1. I'll just go here briefly because tonight we'll spend a little more time on it. 
In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. Now go over to chapter 9 of Proverbs. Chapter 9 of Proverbs. And verse number 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Ah, that's good. And then go to Job 28. Job 28. And verse 28. That's easy to remember. Job 28, 28. And there it says, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. You've got the full, the full spectrum of our appropriate response to the fear of the Lord and what it should do in our heart and life. In the previous psalm, prior to the one that we read, in Psalm 33, we read in verse number 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in awe of Him. Now that's self-explanatory. I've often told you that the Bible is the best dictionary of its own word usage, and it is. When the psalmist says in Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, what is he talking about? Well, it's answered in the second part of the verse. All the earth, second part says, let all the inhabitants. So the inhabitants of the earth, those who are alive, need to learn what? The fear of the Lord. What is that? It's defined in the second part of the verse. Stand in awe of Him. You see that? The fear of the Lord means to stand in awe of Him. Now that's clear, isn't it? The Bible defines its own word usage. The very survival of the blessing of our children depends on our success in teaching them the fear of the Lord. This is not paralyzing fear. This is not the fear of... of uh, of trepidation. This is not crippling fear. This is positive, motivating fear. This is standing in awe. This is standing in reverential awe of God Himself. Dads, I want you to hear this. Everyone who is viewing, everyone that's in the, uh, within the sound of my voice, we have a solemn stewardship that's been given to us. It is the stewardship of young souls. All those that are entrusted to us, children, Small little babies, young toddlers, preschoolers, elementary age, middle school, high school, young adults, as long as they live under our roof, as long as we have influence over them, it is more vital that we introduce them to God than it is for them to, to get all of our gold or to get all of the things that we might leave for them in the material realm. Introducing them to God, to 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 lead them to God through Christ, to lead them to salvation, to con continue to show them a relationship that is active and living so that they will want to model that as well, to trust God day by day in their life, to learn to pray when they've got a problem, even if it's a small child's problem or a teenager's problem or a young adult's problem, learn to pray on their level and go to God day by day and trust Him day by day. This is our Stewardship, this is our blessing. We get to show them this. We get to teach them this. More important than any other thing in life, more important than any other inheritance, more important than any other legacy is the spiritual legacy. Give them 
a real relationship with Christ that they can model, that they can follow. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. David was what you would call quite a complete man in many ways. He's not only the writer of Scripture, he was a powerful king, he was a warrior, he was a shepherd prior to that, but he was a dad. And I want you to see some things in Psalm 34 today that you can take in, sink your teeth in to, and leave this place changed, transformed by the grace of God. Psalm 34, the beginning verses, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Let me tell you a missing element that many kids don't see. We need to show them. As David was, we need to be praising dads. We need to be dads who praise the Lord, who magnify the Lord. Now, what is it? In most homes, not in all homes, but in most homes, I believe we would find that most of the talk is being done by somebody other than dad. Right? Dad's usually, in most homes, dad is usually the quietest person in the home. Wouldn't you say? Come on now. In most homes, that's it. Dad, here's something you need to not be quiet about. God is good all the time. God is real all the time. The first priority in any challenge, in anything that we might face in life, is to go to God and pray and cry out and in faith believe that God answers. And then when you get a hold of God and you get that answer, you go back to your family, you go back to your dear wife, you go back to your kids and you say, Dad prayed. Dad trusted God. God answered the prayer. God will do the same for you. That's what we need. Praising dads. We need praying dads. Look at verse 4. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their cry. Look at verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. That's it. We praise the Lord. We pray to God. We need to be praising dads and praying dads. Protecting dads also. Verse 7. Now this comes to mind many times when you ask people what's the responsibility of a dad. It says in verse 7, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. How many of you dads have ever had an experience where you felt you were falling and you felt a hand catch you? How many of you have ever felt an experience where you, you were going to run into something and like a hand stopped you? Come on, I'm just, I'm just going to ask you right now. I'm not making things up, but you've ever experienced something like that. Raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. Don't you know there are angels in this world? Now, we don't worship them. We don't exalt them. But don't you know that you have a guardian angel? Don't you know you have somebody watching over you? And in some cases, it takes more than one. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear Him and delivereth them. We need to teach our children by, 
By practice and by precept, the fact that God looks after His own, He protects His own. If we're doing God's business, He looks after us. We need to not be ashamed of doing what it is that God wants us to do. It says in verse 16, The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Verse 21, Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. God's going to protect us in circumstances and situations. He's going to protect us from the enemy as well. Now we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, but we need to be bold in the Lord and know that He is looking out for us. He's watching out for us. We need to be walking by faith and not by sight. We need to be living the plan that God has for us, and God will take care of you. He will take care of you. Now, if you, if you say one thing and do something else, your kids are going to get mixed messages and they are going to wonder what on earth to do and then they're going to do whatever they feel like doing or whatever the easiest thing is to do. So we need to teach our kids to do tough things because we do tough things. We need to teach them to do difficult things because we do difficult things and challenging things because we don't shrink from challenges either. It's a real life problem. We're dealing with it. This is how dad and mom prayed about it. This is what God did. This is how God intervened. There is a God. Our boys and girls will not believe in God. They'll believe in Marvel Comics. They'll believe in every made-up superhero. But they won't believe in God because they've never seen God through your life and mine. They've never heard from your lips that God is there. He hears the prayer. He answers the prayer. We believe in God. I don't know how many of you have family crests and how many of you have family mottos and how many of you have, you know, little ancestry history things or whatever or maybe you've established one or maybe you've got something like that, a family verse. I don't know. I don't know about you. But your family motto ought to be we have faith in God. We believe what God says in His Word. We will obey what God says in His Word. Pick any of them. They're all good. If you need some help, I'll help you. But you know what? That's what we need to have. We are a family. We are the whatever, family. Put your name in there. We believe God. We believe the Bible. We go to Him in prayer. God answers prayer. We trust Him for the answer. We look to Him for wisdom. We follow His direction. We follow His guidance. How many times in our life have we simply gotten out there and said, I'm going to follow my best feeling, my, my own uh, knowledge, my own information. I've done some research. How many times have we done that? And how many times have we fallen on our face or lived, lived to regret the fact that we brought these consequences on ourselves? David was a praising dad. He was a praying dad. He was a dad who knew that God protected. He was a dad who knew that God would provide. Look in verse number 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want, no lack, to them that fear Him. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. We've seen already. We understand that. And here we read that God's going to provide. Verse number 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack any good thing. Wow. Look at verse 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of His servants, and none of them that trust in Him shall be desolate. Wow. Think about that. God provides. My God shall provide all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now David was just like we are. David was human. We talked about the tongue a moment ago. Let's talk about it again. Verse number 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? 
Keep thy tongue from evil, verse 13, and thy lips from speaking guile. We need some men, some women, some boys, some girls who don't just say everything that comes into the mind before we've put it through the filter of the Holy Spirit. It needs to go through the final filter of the Holy Spirit before it crosses the tongue and goes out where it's going to do whatever it's going to do. God help us to control our speech. Don't just blurt out what you're thinking. Don't just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You need to, by the power of God and the control of the Holy Spirit, think about what kind of effect this is going to have. How many little hearts, how many little lives have been damaged by things that were said that weren't thought through, that were not spiritual, that were not the kind of thing that a dad or a mom ought to say to a little child. And how many times have they thought about that even after they are grown and they have their own kids and their own grandkids, that thing that was said to them, that thing affected them. How many people do you know that it has not been for good, but it's been for evil? I know so many like that. I counsel so many like that. May God preserve us and keep us from saying the things that we ought not to say. David was a peace-pursuing dad. Verse number 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. We are for justice and peace here. Now I know that some would like to hijack that biblical concept and reshape it. But I'll take it in its biblical sense. How about you? Peace and justice. Absolutely. In the biblical sense. In the biblical sense. It's not how much we can burn down, folks. It's not how much we can attack. It's how much we can live godly in this ungodly world. God help us to do that. Amen. David was definitely a child of God. He had a personal experience with the Lord. It was not secondhand. Look at verse number 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. I love that. Spurgeon said, Children can be saved. Children are capable of being taught the fear of the Lord. I wish I had time to really go into that. But... Spurgeon would know. Spurgeon saw a number of generations rise up and serve the Lord there in England in the greatest church of that day. Peter the Great said, I have conquered an empire, but I have not been able to conquer myself. The only way that happens is when we first give ourselves to God. The way to be a godly man, a godly woman, a godly boy or a godly girl is to give ourselves to the Lord. When Jesus conquers our soul, when Jesus conquers our heart, when Jesus conquers our desires, then we come under the control of the Almighty. We can be and become what God would have us to be in this world. Character is not made in a crisis. You say it isn't? No. Character is revealed in a crisis. And recently, we've had some crisis times. And we see in the lives and responses of people just what's really there and what isn't. What substance might be there and what is not. God help us to be men, women, boys and girls of character, of integrity. May God help us to be the godly person that we in turn may be able to teach the fear of the Lord by our life and by our teaching, by our words. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart and challenged me. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Yes, amen.
God bless you. In just a moment, we're going to open up the invitation and how good it is to be back and how good it is to be able to respond and come to an old-fashioned altar and everything's been cleaned and sanitized so you can come and kneel down. You can come and sit and pray and have a moment and say, Lord, thank God for every godly influence in my life and help me to be a godly influence. Help me to be a godly man or woman. Help me to be a godly boy or girl and influence others for godliness in these challenging times. Won't you do that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart to God? Something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. Would you slip your hand up high so I can see it right now?